0: Well, good morning, CORE Church. My name is Daniel, and I am the community pastor here. And it is fall break, and it is my honor to get a chance to share with you as we continue week three of our series, Hero Maker. And we are going to be talking about finding peace of mind today. Worship team, thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. Uh, Stan, you stay up. (laughs) And so this series is us talking about our core values of hope, Healing, peace, and purpose, but we're really talking about them in a different way and that God has called us to be hero makers. That God has not called us just to be the hero in our story, but He's called us to go out and to make heroes of others, to pour our lives into the lives of others. That everywhere you go in your workplace, your school, your campus, your neighborhood, your community, that God has called you to be a hero maker and so we're talking about our vision our values here we say our vision every week at the core of who we are is loving God and loving people well we get that out of a scripture scripture in Matthew chapter 22 uh, verses 37 through 40 it says this Jesus replied you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment a second is equally important love your neighbor as yourself. This idea of heart, soul, mind, neighbor, these form our core values of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. So I want us to say these values together. Let's say them out loud. Here we go. Hope for the heart is found in Jesus. Healing for the soul is found in Jesus. Peace of mind is found in Jesus. Purpose in the world is found in in Jesus. And our hope and prayer for you today is that no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, that you're going to experience the hope, the healing, the peace, and the purpose of Jesus today, and that you'll be able to take that into wherever, whatever corner of the world that God has you in. So today, we are going to be looking at the third core value, that of peace of mind. We believe peace of mind is found in Jesus. And so today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, If you don't have a Bible today, I encourage you to grab your smartphone, don't go on Facebook, don't go on Twitter, go to your app store, download the uh, Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app. We're on that app. Uh, If you go to the events tab of that, you can follow along with the message, follow along with the reading plan and everything that's going on here at the church. But this is a very classic story in scripture. It's actually found in all three of the synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Fancy theological term that you can take with you. That's for free today. And so it's found in all three uh, of those gospels. And so it's a very uh, powerful story, very uh, well-known story of Jesus. And it goes like this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, once again, picking up in verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. That's how you know naps are ordained of the Lord, right there. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Silence! be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Today we're going to talk about finding peace of mind, peace in the storm. So Father, we come before you today, God, and we ask that you would speak through your word. Lord, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds to you today, God, that you would speak to us. Some of us today, we are going through a storm and we desperately need to discover how to find peace in that storm. Would you speak to us today? If you're ready to hear from God, can I get a big amen? amen? Amen. You guys can be seated. So have you ever had a perfect vacation? Now, I know a lot of times when we go on vacation... Let's be honest, vacations can just be a lot of work, you know, and vacations can be tiring, they can be exhausting, especially if you have kids, little kids, lots of kids, grown kids, doesn't matter, vacations can wear you out. How many times have we come back from a vacation and said, I need a vacation from my vacation? I think we've all said that at one time or another. Well, I want to tell you about the time that, that my wife and I went on the perfect vacation. And so it was a few years ago for her birthday. She, My wife had never been to the ocean, never been. To, I, heard, I heard audible gasps from the, the congregation this morning, never been to the ocean. And so I said, this is a wrong in the world that, that I must right. My, my Discover Purpose assessment has, has come to this. I must right this wrong. And, and so I, we, we booked the flight and my wife and I headed to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Now, how you already know that this was an amazing vacation is I said my wife and I, no kids on this vacation. So already we know that this is a vacation that heaven has ordained, that God is smiling down on us. And I wanna tell you guys, it was the most amazing experience. We had this hotel that was right on the beach. And when I say right on the beach, I mean you walked out of the back of the hotel and you were on the beach. No crossing streets for us, no public beaches for us, no, no, no. We had this private beach that we walked out, you know, with the chairs were ready, the umbrellas were ready. It was absolutely amazing. The thing that topped it off for me, so once a month uh, at this particular hotel, they do this dinner under the full moon, and uh, they only do it one night a, a A month. And so they're out in the patio, you know, overlooking the ocean, the waves, the full moon. And the night they did it just happened to be on my wife's actual birthday. And so, you know, it was amazing. It was romantic. The waves are crashing and I'm scoring massive husband points. You know, it is just, we took day trips into Miami and, and it was just the most amazing vacation. In fact, there's a picture of us here at the beach. Don't we look rested? Don't we look peaceful? Don't we just, I mean, it was one of those vacations where I'm like, how can I sell the house? How can I transfer the job? What churches are hiring in Fort Lauderdale? You know, it was one of those vacations. We did not want to come. let leave that up for just a second because I think when it comes to peace, we're talking about how we find peace today. I think we have an incorrect picture of what peace looks like. Because I think for, for many of us in this place, we think this is what peace is, that, that we think peace is the absence of problems, that we think peace is me on a beach with my toes in the sand, umbrella drink in my hand, you know that that, this, that that is peace. I am living a life that is blessed, not stressed, that that is peace. when I have an absence of conflict, that that is peace. And for many of us here in this place, this is the picture that we have of what peace looks like. But I think there's a problem when we think this is what peace is. When, when this is our picture, that, that there's a problem with that. And the problem is, is this, is, is that this, this is so unobtainable for, for, the, for the majority of our lives. And if, we, if this is all the peace that we're chasing, we're constantly chasing peace. It's like peace is the carrot on the end of the stick that we can never quite get to. And this is why we say things like, you know, once I get a better job, then I'll have peace. Once I start to make more money, then I'll have peace. If I could only pass this class, then I'll have peace. If I could only get a different boss, then I'll have peace. If I could only get my spouse to see things my way, then I'll have peace. If I could only find that right man or that right woman, maybe she's sitting in the, in the pew next to me. If, if, we don't have pews, but you will go with me. You know, if, if only I could find them, then I'll have peace. But I think that is an incomplete and actually an incorrect picture of what peace looks like. Because maybe, maybe you get this once. Maybe you take the perfect vacation. Maybe you get the perfect job. Maybe you marry the perfect person. You might have peace, but, but how long does that peace last? It's so fleeting before we're on to the next set of challenges, before we're on to the next set of storms, before we're on to the next set of trials and hardships. See, I believe that we need to reframe what peace looks like, that we need to redefine what peace looks like, because we all know how to find peace after a storm. That's not hard. It's not hard for you to find peace when you're on the beach. It's not hard for you to find peace when everything's working out, when everything's going well at work when everything's going great in your family or when everything's going great in your marriage it's not hard to find peace then but how do we find peace in the middle of the storm how do we find peace in the middle of the trial how do we find peace in the middle of the hardship in the middle of the chaos today i want to talk about what it's like to find peace in the middle of the storm cuz that's where we need peace the most and so we're going to spend some time talking about storms today. And and I don't know about any of you, but I would venture to say that for all of us in this place, none of us like going through the storm. None of us want to experience the storm. It's not like when hardship and pain and trial and hard times come, we're like, yay, storms, this is going to be great. I don't think any of us have that level of optimism when it comes to facing the storm. None of us want to go through the storm. And the truth is, when the storm comes, don't we all, that's the time we start asking all the questions. God, why are you doing this to me? God, why would you allow this storm to happen? God, I thought if I followed you that you would make my life better. And yet it seems like when I make the right decisions, it seems like when I try to do the right things, it seems like when I try to follow you, the storms come and maybe they come even more intensely is what it feels like. And haven't you ever wondered, God, Why do you allow your people to experience these storms? God, shouldn't following you exempt me from having to experience the storm? God, if you're so powerful, why would you allow me to go through this? God, if you're so good, if you're so loving, why would you allow me to experience this? We're going to be talking about the storm today. See, because we, we're going to talk about finding peace in the middle of that storm, and, and we said this series, Hero Maker, is about us being called to be carriers of peace, to be what Jesus said, to be peacemakers in our, in our world, and in our community, and in our homes, and our campuses, and all these places. God's called us to carry peace because so many people are going through the storm, but church, don't you know that we cannot give what we don't have? We can't give what we don't have. And if we don't know how to experience peace in the storm, then we can't give away that peace. When someone else is in a storm, if I don't know how to find God in the middle, I'm not talking about when the storm's over, I'm talking about in the middle of the storm. If I don't know how to find God in the middle of the storm, if I don't know how to trust him in the middle of the storm, how can I give that peace away? How can I be a hero maker when I don't know how to experience that myself? And so today we're gonna be talking about finding peace in the middle of the storm, and I believe that if you're in a storm here today, God's going to speak to you, and if you're not here in a storm, take good notes, because the storm's coming for you, and so I believe that God's going to have something, but in all of us today, that we're going to go out and be able to be hero makers, extending God's peace into the world. So you guys ready to get into this with me? All right, three of you are, that's good. Hopefully the rest of you will wake up and catch, catch along. Okay, let's pick it up, let's go back into the scripture here in Mark chapter 4. Picking up in verse 35, it says this, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm, everyone say fierce storm. Fierce Fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. So what we're going to be talking about today are some things that we have to understand about the storm. We're going to be talking a lot about the storm today. Because when we understand the storm, we understand how to have peace in the storm. One of the first things that we have to understand about the storm is this, is that we are going to go through a storm, that we are going to go through a storm. So I mentioned this last time I spoke, is I have this on-again, off-again, love-hate relationship in my life, and that relationship is with exercise, And and so I I sometimes, you know, I get on the bandwagon, I get off, I I shared last time I spoke about how I had a gym membership over the summer, and how that really did not work out for me, and so when I go through those kicks where where I'm like, okay, the gym's not my thing, of course, that leaves you with home exercise, right? And home exercise is just this big mixed bag, is it not? I mean, if any of you have ever tried, you know, the P90X or the Beachbody, I just, I just can't get along with some ripped guy on my TV like yelling at me. He's like, you can do it. I'm like, I can't do it. I just, just, stop. You know, it's just like, it's just not who I am. And so, you know, one of the things, so I try, okay, I'm gonna find simple exercises that I can do, you know, to, to be in shape. And so one of the big exercises that was popular was the kettlebell swing. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with the kettlebell. So if you don't know what a kettlebell is, it's, it's this ball of weight that has this handle attached to it. And what you're supposed to do is you take this ball away and, and you pick it up and, and you just kind of just swing it between your legs like this. And this is, this is the kettlebell swing. And so I would do these, but I would do the kettlebell swing. And, you know, 200, 300-pound kettlebell swing, just, just rocking that. And, um, but, but eventually what was happening was it was hurting my, it was hurting my back as I was doing them, and I was like, you know, I tried to do them, and kept hurting my back, and I thought, well, clearly kettlebells are an invention of the enemy, and I should just leave them alone, you know, it's like, Brad, the devil's not in the toolbox, the devil is in the the exercise equipment, you know, it's just, (laughs) kettlebell even rhymes with devil a little bit, you know, it's just, it's just a tool of Satan, and so, but my wife was watching me do it, and she's like, honey, you're doing it wrong, she's like, you're you're rounding your back, no wonder why, it's because you're swinging, and you're swinging with, or you got to have a flat back, and so, you know, You have to, and I just, it looks absolutely ridiculous to try it, but, you know, you have to keep your back flat as you're doing the kettlebell swing. And, And she told me, she said, if you're doing it right, it shouldn't hurt. If you're doing it right, it shouldn't hurt. And I think for a lot of us, we have that view about life, that if I'm doing it right, it shouldn't hurt, that if I'm doing it right, I shouldn't have to experience pain, That if I'm doing it right, if I'm making right decisions, I shouldn't have to encounter hardship. That if I'm doing it right, the trouble shouldn't come. See, it would make sense to me if I was doing it wrong, if I was making bad choices, if I was doing stupid things, if I was living a life outside of God's will, it would make sense to me that bad things would happen, that storms would come, that hardship would come. But I'm a follower of Jesus. I come to church. I give in the offering. I serve on a core team. Why would God allow bad things to happen to me? Because it doesn't make sense to me, because if I'm doing it right, it shouldn't hurt. But that's, that's the way we approach it. And I wonder, I wonder if that's how the disciples felt as they were getting ready, as they were getting in the boat and going across the lake and heading in to this storm, because they were doing what Jesus asked them to do, He's the one that told them, get in the boat and let's cross the lake. All the disciples were doing were trying to follow Jesus. And all of a sudden, boom, they're right in the middle of this storm. I think he got, wait, wait a second, Jesus. We were doing what you asked us to do. Why are we now facing a storm? I tell you, the truth is, is that storms are inevitable, even for followers of Jesus. But storms are inevitable, even for for followers of Jesus. And I think we know that in our head, but every time we go through the storm, it doesn't keep us from asking all the questions, all the questions that we talked about earlier. God, if you love me, why would you allow me to go through this? God, if you're there, why am I experiencing so much pain? God, wouldn't it be a greater display of your power if you kept your people from having to experience storms? God, why are you allowing me to have this go on in my life? And I think it's important for us to wrestle with this for just a minute because it really helps define our view of God. And if we don't understand some of why we are allowed to experience storms, we can develop an improper view and an incomplete view of who God is. And we can see God as unloving and uncaring because we are going through a storm. So I want to wrestle with this for just a minute. First thing I want to say is this. Imagine. So imagine if God did what we wanted him to do. And he exempted all of his followers from the storm. So if you follow Jesus, you're not going to experience pain. You're not going to experience hardship. You're not going to experience trauma. I mean, that sounds great at first, doesn't it? Like, sign me up for that. Absolutely. If I follow God, I get to live on the beach. I get to be blessed, not stressed. Absolutely, I want that kind of life. But let me ask you something. If, if God did that, why would you follow him? What would be your motive for being a follower of Jesus? Would it be because of your recognition of his grace and his mercy and his love for you? Would it be because of your recognition of the sin in your life and the shortcoming in your life and your need for redemption and your need for forgiveness and your need for a savior? Or would it be because you wanna live on the beach? Would it be because you would want the good things that God has for you? See, none of us want to be used in a relationship. None of us like that feeling, I want to tell you God is no different. And because of our fallen nature, because of our sinful nature, I want to tell you, if, if God exempted all of His people from the storm and he never allowed His people to experience storms, and that was the perk of following Jesus, I want to tell, I, I, our, our love for Him wouldn't be deeper. it would be cheaper. Our love for Him wouldn't be deeper, it would be cheaper. And so following Him even through the storm, Man, it, it does something in us, and I want to get to that here in just a minute. So that's one of the reasons is, is it keeps our motive pure for following him. We don't follow him just for what he can do for us. We don't follow him just because of the perks and the bennies. We follow him because of who he is. And another reason is this. So any parents in the house, parents in the house, I know this more parents. I just don't want to. Any people who don't like raising their hands in the house? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> parents, you understand that your number one priority as a parent is not just to keep your child from experiencing pain. That's not your number one priority as a parent. I, I, I've learned this more specifically now that I have a boy. Because, man, he, always, he is always putting himself in like life-ending perilous situations in my eyes. But, but my number one job as a parent is not to absolutely keep him from ever experiencing pain. In fact, when I focus too much on trying to keep him from experiencing pain, I become a worse parent. And God is the same way in that God's number one priority for us, God's number one concern for us is not for us to never experience pain. That God's number one priority is not for us to never experience hardship and never experience difficulty. See, Jesus said, I came that you would find life and find it more abundantly or find life and find it to the fullest. He didn't say, I would come that you would find life and life to the safest. He didn't say, I would come that you would find life and life to the most comfortable or life to the most convenient or life to the easiest. He said, I came for you to experience a full and complete and alive life. But he didn't say that I would prevent you from ever experiencing pain. That's not what we signed up for. And when we hold God to that, when we say, God, because I follow you, you should keep me from pain, you should keep me from trial, you should keep me from hardship, we're holding God to a contract that he never signed. We're holding God to something that he never signed. In fact, Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He said, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. See, we know that we're going to go through a storm. We're going to go through this storm, but the truth is, church, is that peace comes from knowing the presence of the storm is not the absence of God. That just because you're going through the storm doesn't mean that God's left you. That just because you're going through the storm doesn't mean that God's forgotten about you. We're going to go through a storm. But then we see the next thing that we find here in the passage is this. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great comp. So not only do we go through a storm, but the second thing we have to understand about the storm is this, is that God in the storm, that we have God in the storm. We have God in the storm. You remember in the spring, we had all those tornadoes come through, and man, that week straight where no, no one slept, and, you know, tornado sirens every night. If you're married, you know there's always two people in the storm. There's the one, as soon as the flash of lightning hits, that person is up, They've got their weather app on. They've got Travis Meyer on speed dial, you know. And then there's the other person that is, the tornado sirens are going off, and they are doing this. They are sound asleep. You know, you say, honey, wake up. We got to get in the shelter, you know. And they're like, where's the storm? It, it's two streets down. Wake me up when it's, in our, when it's on our street, you know. <laughs> if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. Don't wake me up, you know. We look at the story. Clearly, Jesus was the latter, of the two, because the storm's going on and Jesus is out. You know, whatever his sleep number is, it is working for him. And then disciples come up to him and they ask Jesus the question Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? And isn't that the question in the middle of the storm that we ask? God, don't you care? God, where are you? God, are you really there? See, I think the storm has a way of revealing what we really think about God. The storm has the way of revealing what we really think about him. See, because it's easy when the storm's not going on for us to come up and to sing the worship songs and, you know, I'm going to see a victory and you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. But when we're in the middle of the storm, it's that's when the doubt sets in. God, are you really going to lead me to victory? God, are you really going to do it again? God, are you, really, do you really, are you really turning this situation for good? Or are you leaving me on my own to try to figure it out myself? The storm reveals what we really think about God. The thing is, Jesus let the disciples go through the storm, but he was not going to let them get taken out by the storm. And what the disciples didn't understand in that moment was that just having Jesus, listen, listen, just having Jesus on the boat was enough for them to get through the storm. Just having him on the boat the disciples needed Jesus to do something big. He needed, they needed Jesus to do something flashy. Get up, calm the waves, do your miracle thing, Jesus. But what Jesus was trying to instill in them in the moment was, if I'm on the boat, that's all. You need. I want to tell you, church, in the in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the uncertainty, if Jesus is on your boat, if you have his presence with you. He may not be doing the big thing, he may not be doing the flashy thing. It may seem like he is sawing logs, but church, if he's on the boat, if his presence is with you, you may be going through the storm, but I want to tell you, you are not going to get taken out by the storm, that his presence on the boat will see you through to the other side. Yeah. Peace comes from believing that because God is with me in the storm, he will see me through the storm. His presence is all we need. His pre- we want him to do the big, we want him to do the flashy, but if he's there with us, if God is with us, that's all we need to get through the storm. That's all the, we can just hold on to that peace that he is with us. So we see here at the end of the story, it says, Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So we understand that we're going to go through the storm we're going to have God in the storm. The final thing we need to understand about the storm is this is that we're going to grow from the storm. That we're going to grow from the storm. See church, there there's things about yourself and there's things about God that you cannot learn outside of the storm. And we would never choose the storm for ourselves. We would never choose the hardship for ourselves, but there's things about God that you can only learn in the storm. At the end of the story, you see it. The disciples were like, who is this guy? They were still putting it together. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That there was something about Jesus that they could only learn in the storm. And for some of you, you're going through things right now and you're wondering, God, why, God, why, God, why, what's what is going on? So there's things that God wants to do inside of you in this storm that can only happen as you go through the storm. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. So when I was 14 years old, I remember being done with school. My mom's friend was picking me up, which was kind of weird that normally my, my mom or my dad would pick me up from school. My mom's friend picked me up from school. and She had this look on her face. i never forget this look. She just had this look on her face. And I got in the car and she said, there's something wrong with your dad. She drove me back to the house. We didn't live too far from the school. She drove me back to the house. And I remember just walking in, the house was full of paramedics and funeral homework was there. And my mom was crying, just an absolute wreck. And I just remember her saying, he's gone. He's gone. 14 years old, walking back in. My father, being lifeless in his bed. Storm. The middle of the storm. I'll tell you, it was a storm that would last as we planned a funeral, 14, trying to help my mom navigate what it is to to plan a funeral, and we had some friends that helped us with the process, but wasn't there to teach me how to drive, wasn't there to teach me how to shave, wasn't there to help me get into college. In the middle of that storm, God, where are you? God, why would you allow me to go through this? God, what is happening here? Biggest storm in my life. I'm just telling you this story because I'm hoping that you can get how I process through this storm to apply to whatever storm is going on in your life. Because here's some things I learned about God in the storm. One is, one is this, church. God, God didn't send that storm. God, God didn't take my father from me, okay? And I've learned out of that not to place blame at the feet of God for things that he did not do. Because we're gonna go through a storm. We're gonna go through a storm. The storm is inevitable. We're gonna go through the storm, and I learned out of that, I learned to trust and believe in God's goodness despite what I may see with circumstances, despite what I may see with my eyes, that I believe that God was good. And and I want to tell you, out of that storm, God didn't send that storm, but out of that storm, I have learned some things about God that I would, I don't think I would have learned otherwise. When the scripture says that he's a father to the fatherless, I know that's true. I know that's true. He is because God has fathered me through, through different people, through different experiences, through different men, through different mentors in my life, where it's not been their voice, but it's been the, the father heart of God speaking through those people into my life. When he's a father to the fatherless, I know that even just last week, I was having lunch with someone. He said some things to me and spoke some encouragement to me. It wasn't him speaking that. It was my heavenly father speaking that to me. And it defines my theology. It defines how I interpret the Bible. It defines my ministry here today. There's some things that I learned in the storm that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. And some of you today, you are going through a storm. And I want to tell you something. What if what if you reframed the storm? What if you looked at the storm different? Instead of trying to blame and place blame at the feet of God and getting angry at God, what if you said, you know what? I know uh, Being a Christ follower doesn't exempt me from the storm. I'm going to go through the storm. But you know what? In the middle of that storm, I realized, God, you haven't left me. God, it may seem like you're asleep. It may seem like you're not doing much. But, God, your very presence is all I need to get through this storm. And, God, the most exciting thing is, God, is that you have a plan for this. This isn't random. This isn't just something that is meant to take me out. But, God, I believe that what the enemy meant for evil. God, you're going to use it for my good. God, that you're going to use it to grow me, that you're going to use it to reveal things about yourself to me. God, you didn't send this storm. God, you can use this storm to bring me closer to you. God, to bring me into alignment with who you are, to make me more like you. Church, no matter what you're going through today, you can find peace in the middle of the storm. Can we stand? He wants to make you a hero maker. He wants us to be carriers of his peace out into our world. And I'll tell you something, church, that for some of you, as you're going through the storm, you need to hang on because God is going to use your storm in a way that's going to be so powerful. See, church, the truth is that your story will speak to someone's storm that your story will speak to someone's storm. You may be wondering why you're going through what you're going through. You may be wondering where God is in the midst of your storm. You may be wondering, God, are you there? Are you asleep? But I will tell you something, church. Your story will speak to someone's storm. There's someone at your workplace. There's someone on your ball field. There's someone at your campus. There's someone in your neighborhood. They're going through the storm. But your story, your story, We'll speak to someone's storm if we'll allow his peace to carry us through. If we'll allow his peace to see us to the end, we can find peace in the middle of the storm.